Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Let's stand to our feet to worship this morning. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And I want you to see with the eyes of the Spirit. Whatever it is that you need, I want you to see healing. I want you to see deliverance. I want you to see your dreams coming through. See this morning with the eyes of the Spirit. Can you see a resurrection in this place of everything that has been dead? Come on, somebody. Let's worship. Come on, Cathedral of Faith. Put your hands together with us. Do you see what I see? What I see
Cathedral of Faith, I hope you have expectation in your heart that you're not just stepping into another service, but you're stepping into a moment with your God. You know, we may come from all different types of experiences. You might have had a tough week. Maybe someone's gone through some trying situations. You've got a report from a doctor. You've got trouble at home, trouble in the workplace, chaos in the world. I don't know where you're coming from, but I do know where you're stepping into. You're stepping into a moment with your God, with your maker, who is not bound by the laws of this universe. He holds all authority and power in his hands. He doesn't have to bow. He doesn't have to ask permission. He doesn't have to answer to anyone else. He holds all authority in his hands. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is our God. And this is our hope. And no matter what we're standing against, greater is he that is inside of us than he that is in the world. So Cathedral of Faith, when we come into this house, it's not just stand up, sing a song or two, sit down, hear some inspiring words. It's entering into a moment with God setting our heart again on the foundation of Jesus Christ that gives us security, that gives us hope. But in, and inside of all that, there's healing, there's restoration, there's reconciliation, there's redemption, there is hope in Christ. And in this moment, we direct our attention to you, Father. And we thank you because it's all because of you. Nothing exists outside of you. And we want to pause in this moment to say thank you for the hope that we have in you. And thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, that has given us this firm foundation. I pray, Lord, that we are strengthened in our faith and not just impressed by production, but our faith is empowered in this moment, that we believe our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. We give you thanks and praise, and all of God's people shouted in this moment, amen and amen. Come on, this is a house of worship. We love you, Father. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. Where every demon trembles. Where we proclaim your name. Sing it with me. See, this is a house of Our hearts are full of faith. You have our full attention. You have the final say. So we sing it together. Yeah. So come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Jesus, everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of Come alive 
Welcome to the house of the Lord, the house of miracles, the house of healing, the house of salvation, the house of provision, the house of blessing, and we give everything, everything, everything to him. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, we give it to him. He's here. He's ready to work in you. Even though there are so many of us in this room coming from different places with different kinds of weeks, he meets you here now. Amen. There's one truth that shows up in every part of the Bible from start to finish. And that truth is this. In all the hundreds of stories that you find in the Bible, there's always one hero and it's always God. The Lord was with Abraham, and because the Lord was with Abraham, God was the hero, and Abraham saw miracles. The Lord was with Esther, and because the Lord was with Esther, then she saw miracles. The Lord was with Peter. The Lord was with Joshua. The Lord was with Mary. Every single story has the same statement. The Lord was with them. That's why a lot of times in churches, we'll say, the Lord be with you, and people respond by saying, and also with you. The Lord be with you because he's with us here in this house right now in this moment, ready to do whatever we need. Whatever you need right now comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. Every time it says, the Lord is with you, it usually is accompanied by another phrase. It says, don't be afraid because the Lord is with you. And so whatever your fears are about the past, about the future, about your struggles, about your health, about your finances, about your relationships, about your family, about your kids, about your grandkids, whatever your fears are, he says, I'm with you. Amen. Whatever that diagnosis is, he says, I'm with you. Amen. And in this moment, we acknowledge that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as we hold this broken bread, it's a reminder of your body broken for us. Amen. We can bring you our hopes and fears. 
We can bring you our joys and sorrows. We can bring you our blessings and our struggles. We can bring you our past and our future. We can bring everything to you in this moment, everything at the feet of Jesus, because Lord, you are here with us. And Lord, whatever we walked in with, whatever burdens we came in with, whatever struggles we were holding on to when we walked in here, whatever unresolved things are in our lives, in this moment, we acknowledge the great truth that you are with us. You are here. You are ready to work. And so as we receive your broken body, we receive your life. You are with us. Let's take the body of Christ together. In the same manner, says Jesus took the cup and when he blessed it, he said, I want you to receive this. This is my life for you. I'm gonna invite you to pray along with me. I'm gonna declare a phrase to the Lord in prayer. And if it's your prayer as well, at the end of that, I want you to say, amen. Lord, for your grace that is greater than everything we need, we give you thanks. Amen. For your mercies, Lord, that are new every morning, we give you thanks. Amen. For healing that comes through the blood of your son, Jesus, we give you thanks. Amen. For provision that comes through your provision for every area of our life, we give you thanks. For forgiveness for every sin we've ever committed, we give you thanks. Amen. For a hope and a future in heaven, we give you thanks. Amen. Let's receive together the cup of Christ for our sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good and all the time. Well, as you're being seated, turn to somebody next to you and say, the Lord be with you and also with you. Are you sensing God's presence today? He's here, he's ready to work, and he's not finished. We've got a lot more time in his presence for him to speak to us and work in us. We're so glad you're here. If you're a guest here, you haven't been coming very long, I would encourage you to check out in the seat back in front of you a card where you can scan the QR code or fill out the blanks to let us know who you are and we can begin to help you know how to connect and grow and serve here at Cathedral of Faith. This is also an important way to communicate. If in the last couple of weeks or months you've received Christ as your Savior here in one of our services, I encourage you to fill it out well so that we can give you resources, come alongside you, pray for you, and believe for what God's going to do in your life. So it's great to have you here. There are so many amazing things happening here at Cathedral of Faith. Just want to give a shout out this past week, we had the Cathedral of Faith Vacation Bible School here in our campus, and what a great week we had. Yeah, let's give God praise. It was called Twist and Turns. The kids were memorizing scripture, they were singing, they were praising God. In fact, you can see a bunch of our kids up there. We had so many great workers, we had so many great people come out, great parents who helped support us. Shout out to all of our COF kids ministry team, Ms. Anquisha and everybody was part of that. Woohoo! Lives were changed for eternity. It was a special time. And again, we thank you for your prayers and support. Shout out to men's ministry who met yesterday. 100 guys were in there worshiping God and hearing the word of the Lord. God's doing great things here. And we hope you'll find a way to plug in and be part of what God's doing. This is your last Sunday to sign up for the Stars and Strides race. Next Saturday, we're all gonna be out there. Some of us will be running, some jogging, some walking, some crawling. Um, we'll all be in various stages of movement. But we encourage you to come out and join us. It's a great way to be fit, to be with the body of Christ as our cathedral family gathers. It's also a great way to support hospitals in our community that are caring for those who are underserved. It's a great moment of coming together. And if you go online and register, or after service, there's a special tent outside. They're giving away dad's root beer to everybody who signs up. Sounds good to me. Um, and there's also a special code to get a discount. So I would encourage you to come out. I'll look forward to seeing you next Saturday morning when we come together. Also coming up in a couple months, we have a special Ignite Marriage Conference. You're gonna be blown away by the caliber of the national speakers we have who can speak life into us and help us be more effective and have better marriages. 
I think that's something we all ought to be working on all the time because if you don't work on it, it doesn't happen by itself. So I encourage you to sign up and be part of this great opportunity. Also coming up in September, October, we are joining with hundreds of other churches in the Bay Area on something called Explore God. And what it is, is that it's a ministry time where hundreds of churches are working together to preach the same messages about who God is and his love for us and what his plans are for us. It's really intended to reach out and have thousands come to know Christ. In fact, in the other cities in America that has taken place so far, they've seen that very thing. Thousands of people receive Christ. And we're believing for revival here in the Bay Area, right? But you have part of that, and here's your part. We're encouraging people, start now, if you don't already do it, praying for those who live on your hall in your apartment, or those who live in your complex, or those who live on your street in your neighborhood. Begin praying that God would open doors for conversations with men and women that you might not normally run into, except that they live in the community God put you in. And he put you there for a reason. And I would encourage you to begin to think of ways to bless people in your community. Maybe baking a cake for a neighbor, maybe going out of your way to hold a door for someone, or let them go in front of you in the parking lot. That's also not a bad idea here. <laughs> Somebody almost hit me last week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I encourage you to begin to build relationships with people in your community so that when September comes and this big campaign happens, it's going to be all over the media. It's going to be on billboards. It's going to be on television. We're going to be promoting Explore God and say, visit one of these churches so you can be part of it. I encourage you to begin now to bless those in your neighborhood so when it's time to invite them, you'll have a relationship already established. In fact, here's a special video that'll help introduce a little bit about what Explore God is all about. Even if it is just all make-believe, sometimes people just need something to believe in. If there really is a God, great. If there isn't, I guess we're all just believing in something to give us hope. It will take you by surprise and it will hold your hand. It will shelter you through stormy weather. It will save you if it can. You tell me what it is and I will shake your hand. Because then I know there's someone else as messed up as I am. People have a desire for a sense of wonder. People have a desire for a sense of love. People want to figure out if something's true or not, and who can they trust. It will be a home, yes. It will make your body flow. It will turn your eyes Amen. How many are believing that God's, this fall, that there's going to be an outpouring of God's grace and love all over the Bay Area? Amen. Because God loves the Bay Area. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves the Bay Area. And we're believing that thousands of people are going to come to know Jesus Christ all over the Bay. And we're excited about being a part of that outreach. Well, I'm also excited about being a part of a church family that has the heart of Jesus, that has the heart to hear the cries that no one else is hearing and to care about those that no one else is caring for. And one of the scriptures I want to highlight right here in James, here's what the James wrote. Anyone who sets himself up as a religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. That is the word of the Lord. And I'm excited that we have an incredible reaching out food ministry that serves thousands of people groceries every week, but we also have a homeless ministry that is championed by Pastor Robert Mize, and one of those efforts is through our partnership with Silicon Valley Safe Park. It's a group of churches that take turns once a month to provide a safe park to, for people that are homeless living in their cars to park in their parking lots, 
And, in the, and then also they help, we connect them with caseworkers that help them find uh, places to live. And in the month of June, it's been Cathedral Face opportunity and privilege to serve many families that are living in their cars. And I had the opportunity last Saturday to serve with Pastor Robert Mize. And I thank Dave Perez and his family. Dave brought his pizza oven, made the best homemade pizza, Caesar salad, and we got to minister love to those folks. And as you just go out and just look to see these folks that are living in their cars, seniors, families, it just breaks your heart. And I'm glad I'm part of our church that we open arms wide for people that are struggling. And that day as well, we had a big event here. And it was a big barbecue. We bust over 200 unhoused people right here, had great barbecue food, had great music. And Pastor Robert got to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them and help be a blessing to them. So I want to say thank you, Cathedral Faith, for all that you're doing. And just another thing that we do, you may not know this, our homeless ministry goes every month. They go at 9 a.m. to Roosevelt Park, which is downtown. We bring hot meals. We distribute lunches. We help distribute clothing and other life's essentials. And if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, you can contact Pastor Robert Mize, and he'd love for you to be a part of living out God's love to those who are struggling. And just to say, you know, God's blessed us with an amazing team here. Pastor Robert Mize, I don't know if you know it, he's one of our unsung heroes. He was homegrown. He grew up in Cathedral Faith, and he's been on our pastoral team for 22 years serving faithfully. I want to give it up for Pastor Robert Mize. What a blessing he is. And thank you to all the church family for all the ways that you help us love people and serving with your time, with your financial resources. We cannot do what God has called us to do without your faithfulness and generosity. So let's continue to believe that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask and imagine, and that he will use each of us to bring more heaven to earth in our families and in our community. Amen? There's lots of easy ways you can give. You can see it up on the screens through the app, online, or on your way out today. Well, I hope you're ready. Well, first, I want to give you greetings from my brother. He's on vacation with his wife, enjoying a good time of getting refreshed. But you're in good hands today because my brother from another mother, Pastor Mike Garcia Foreman, has got an incredible message for you today. Let's continue the power of the story. Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Good morning to all of you in the sanctuary, all of you that are online this morning with us, those in the parking lot. I want you all to feel welcome. I'm holding some pearls in my hand. The last parable that we're using in the um, this series is the pearl of great price. In Matthew 13, verse 45 and 46, there's only two verses about it, and I'm gonna share with you some truth. Ladies, if you keep these stashed away, they lose their luster. If you wear them and they're close to your skin, they begin to develop a glow. It doesn't work for guys, but <laughs> so. Well here, God is going to talk to us through Jesus about the pearl of great price. Let me start. Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. 
The pearl was never considered very valuable by the Israelites. <clears throat> Excuse me, several verses of scripture give us this impression. For example, in Job 28:18, pearls are classified with coral. And although the pearl was not considered valuable among the Hebrews, it was very valuable to the Gentiles. And when Christ used the figure, figure of goodly pearls, I imagine that his disciples wondered why. Others gave to the pearl a symbolic meaning of innocence and purity, fit only for kings and potentates. But some preachers and some commentators approach this parable by saying that the pearl represents salvation and that the buyer, the merchant man, pictures the lost sinner. This is inaccurate. The sinner does all that he can to obtain salvation, they say. He works and he pays any price to get his soul saved. Of course, that would be known as works salvation, which we all know is not the way it is at all. Because Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are you saved by faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My notes say, they'll clap right there with that verse. <clears throat> However, the truth is, I am not the merchant and neither are you. I was not looking for heaven, neither were you. And even if I sold everything I had to purchase, the pearl of great price, it still would not be enough to get me into the presence of God. That's not how we get into heaven. It is like me and you trying to be good enough for God to accept me into eternal life forever. There's just no way we could do that. That diminishes totally what Jesus did on the cross, what God did by sending his son to die for us. And I'm going to walk into heaven with a trophy, turn to somebody and say, I don't think so. <laughs> but what is the right interpretation? The right interpretation of the parable is this. The merchant man is Jesus. The pearl is his church. His body and the great price is his own death on the cross of Calvary. It is God, it is God, it is God who was willing to pay any price to save all lost people from a certain death in hell. Come on, church. It is God. And Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so now we look at how is a pearl formed because there's been some misunderstanding there. An oyster is called a mollusk. An oyster lives in the sand. And people say when an oyster gets a piece of sand inside of itself that it begins to irritate the oyster. He lives in the sand. It's not the sand that irritates him. A pearl is not a stone like a diamond. You cannot cut it, you cannot shape it. It is formed by a living organism. A pearl is formed when an oyster gets a foreign matter trapped in the soft flesh called a mantle within its shell. This piece of matter irritates the tender oyster and so it responds by coating the grain of sand with layer upon layer of a substance which is basically saliva and calcium. It is the same substance that coats the inside of the oyster shell. The pearl is the product of pain. Something beautiful comes from all that pain and suffering. The pearl is the product of pain. And this foreign matter, it hurts. And it harms the, the pearl or the oyster. It is called an irritant. Say that with me. Irritant. Say it again. Irritant. An irritant is a thing that is continually annoying. How many of you know what a gnat is? Or it can be something that is distracting. And if Satan could, that's exactly what he wants to get us to do, is to get distracted from keeping our eyes on Jesus and recognizing how much we need him. The irritant is Satan. He just won't let us ever forget what we did wrong. He reminds us of how inadequate we are and how we will never measure up to God's standards. And we know that already. 
But Satan takes you and I, and he supplies the irritant. So let's look at the pearl for a moment. The pearl represents the church. That's you and I. Turn to someone and say, I think he's talking about you right now. <laughs> we have sinned. We don't feel worthy to be in the presence of God or even to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And do you know why? Because here are some of the irritants that Satan uses on us. And these things should not be in the child of God, in the Christian. Satan uses guilt. We know that God has forgiven us, but you know what? Because we're constantly reminded, we just can't forgive ourselves. So what it does is it causes us to stay on the fringe, to stay in the background, and just not to get involved with the rest of the body of Christ. Satan uses shame to keep us in bondage. He can constantly remind us or has others remind us of what we once did wrong. He uses regret to make us lose all energy to try and be used by God for his glory. Yes, you can be used by God for his glory. I said you can be used by God for his glory. Well, I'll never be like that and I'll never do that. God isn't asking you to be like them. He didn't make two of them, he made one. And you are that person. But Satan knows that, that's why he says stay in the back. And then Satan uses depression, a feeling of defeat and unworthiness. And there's many people, they may not tell you, but they'll tell you privately how all these characteristics are in them, how they're constantly reminded. And when you ask them, well, why don't you get involved? Why don't you participate with the church? Well, you know, I'm not, uh, people find out what I ever did. If they found out what you did, what if they found out what I did? What if they found out what you and you and you did? He uses low self-esteem. I could never sing like that. I could never preach like that. He uses anger. And anger should never be in a child of God. God did not give us that spirit. He uses jealousy. Boy, if I could only do that. Boy, if I could only do that. And he uses defeat. These things do not need to be in you. Turn to someone and say, he's talking about you again. <laughs> they don't need to be in you. We don't need to be defeated. We need to have victory through Jesus Christ. Well, all of this then causes us to be the Christians that, you know what, we stay on the fringe. That means we never feel worthy of serving God or being used in the church for his glory. Oh, oh, oh we clap and we sing and we may even give but we never participate. We just don't feel adequate. Oh, no, no, they don't need me. We just stay in the background. I know numerous people that I have led to Christ who no longer come to church after the pandemic. They stay away. We need to be back in church. I said, we need to be back in church. <clears throat> Listen to this statement. Sometimes... I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. That's hard to have a life like that. That's hard to live like that. And this should never be in the life of a child of God. So we stay in the background, never involved, because surely someone is going to remind us of who we really are or what we did. Instead, God wants us to be filled with his peace. Peace, I give you. Peace, I leave you. Not the type of peace the world gives, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus, receive you that peace that passes all understanding. Come on, church. Thank God for that. And so I understand then, so that I can understand is, I'm not the merchant man. I'm the pearl. But I wasn't a pearl until Christ found me. The correct interpretation of this parable reveals Christ as the merchant man. He left his heavenly home and he came to this earth to find a pearl of great price. In all of Jerusalem, they didn't even like pearls. They, don't really, they really aren't attracted to pearls. But Jesus came there. He started his ministry there. He found lost sinners. 
He died for them by shedding his precious blood. He sold all that he had to buy us and redeem us to God. And Paul told this to the Corinthians. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. He redeems us to God. Jesus bought us, and now we belong to Jesus. Come on. He bought us. We didn't see anything of value in ourselves, but he did, and he purchased us. He gave his life so that he could purchase us. And so Christ's response to the sinner is this. He puts us, he puts around us his own righteousness. So when you're feeling inadequate, you're feeling unworthy, you're feeling worthless, and the devil's beating you up, when you come to Christ and you cry out for his Holy Spirit, Jesus covers us. I said he covers us with his own white robes of righteousness. He puts them around us. He makes us pearls. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He covers us in his righteousness. You and I could never be righteous enough. There's nothing that we could do to merit entrance into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus pulls us out of the darkness, brings us into his marvelous light, and covers us with white robes of righteousness for God's glory. Come on, don't patty cake, church. No matter what, no matter what you say, some people just need a little bit more coaxing, so I'm not going to stop. Here we go. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, now, now are we the sons of God, now, and the daughters. It doesn't appear what we will be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him even as he is. And the only reason we shall be like him is because with our eyes, we get to see him. When you see Jesus in all his glory, you become like him. And that confuses the devil and the demons because they already had bets that some of you weren't going to, that one, that one's not going to make. In fact, I'll put down money right now. That one's not going to make. And there they are, right in the front with everyone else, glorifying God. So I'm giving you some good news today. You can be this pearl of great price. You are the pearl of great price. You have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Come on, don't patty cake. If you're going to clap, clap. And his righteousness is a thing of matchless beauty and unspeakable value in the eyes of God. Me, yes, you. Clothed in the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ through his blood shed on Calvary for you and for me. It doesn't matter what you've done. When you accept Christ, your past is washed away. Your present and future are in God's hands. But, somebody say but. But how do we stop listening to what the devil tells us about what we did? And allow ourselves to be brought, and here's the key to this sermon, to be brought into the bride of Christ. Because I want to tell you something. Just getting saved and hanging around in the fringe and never coming to church, not participating, just always being in the background, I doubt seriously you're going to be in the bride of Christ. The person at the wedding feast was not clothed in garments of righteousness and does not the scriptures say that he was cast out into outer darkness. We have to go all the way with Christ. You can't come in the front door, well, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'll just stay right here. You can't. You have to pursue a relationship with him. You have to draw closer to him. And the only one that can do that is the Holy Spirit. Come on. So, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.27, Christ sees us not as we are now, but as we shall be someday presented to him as a glorious church, not having a spot, not having a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That is describing the bride of Christ. She is fully and properly adorned to be in the presence of her king. 
He wants to make us his bride. Not just get us saved, but get us to become that pearl of great price, that thing of value, that which is most precious. This, this is something you should desire. And you should ask the Holy Spirit in prayer to answer you and to give it to you. It's not automatic. It's free, but you need to want it. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to ask the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to ask everyone in this sanctuary to come forward to the altar. This is not an altar call for sin. This is you talking to the Holy Spirit of God, telling him, enable me to draw closer to you, enable me to become the bride of Christ. I'll be with you in a minute, not yet, not yet. Boy, that's good. You should be at my next sermon. <laughs> but now I'm gonna take you to the book of Revelation. As the band prepares and Pastor Vaughn comes to sing a song, it's called Redeemed. And as you're here standing and down these halls, these uh, aisles, you're going to listen to these words, the price that Christ paid for us. But here's the last point I want to make. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we find the new Jerusalem, the future home of the church. And you can notice the emblem on the outside of the city. There are gates, and the gates into the new Jerusalem, which is only for God's children, are made of pearl. They are made of pearl. The emblem on the outside of city are made of pearl. That is no accident. It is planned that way by Christ's design. He is the merchant man, and those pearls hung eternally at the access routes to glory. They will remind us forever of one who hung upon a tree and whose answer to those who injured him was to invite them to share his home. You don't want to just be saved. You want to become the bride of Christ. And you may say, well, what if I don't get up and go to the front and nothing happens? Then you got what you wanted. But if you want the blessing of the Holy Spirit to overcome you so that you stop hearing accusations and false things, but you come alive to the realization how much you are loved, how much you are part of the family of God, and how much God wants to bless you. I ask you, get up and come to the front now.
sermon is talking about you. You're redeemed. Nothing can take that away. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are washed in his blood. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. People can try, but they can't take it away from us. Now, before I dismiss you, just look at someone and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> I ask God to bless you, to prosper you, to give you his peace, and to cause his face to shine upon you. May he bless you, your family, your children, and your children's children. May he reverse whatever curse the enemy tried to throw on you. May God put his blessing there. If you're in need of prayer, there will be no one in here to pray with you. They'll meet you in the amphitheater because immediately following this service, we're having baby dedication. Church, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. God bless you.